What's up, buds? I'm your host, Greg Young, uh, returning from a lovely week in Denmark. Thanks for Adam for hosting the show last week. And uh, I come back from Denmark, uh, not having watched much Caps hockey, admittedly, over the last week. And uh, big stuff happened in the trade deadline. Uh, One small trade and one very big trade that I think has a lot of interesting things and kind of portends about the Caps future. So uh, I figured no better person to talk to about this than... uh, I guess, I, Samantha Pell, I, I guess you're a friend of the podcast now. We would say, I think this might be your fifth appearance. So we, I, we, we have trophies. I don't really know where. I probably <laughs> have to make one. But uh, I, I'm joined, of course, by uh, Samantha Pell, the Washington Post. So, Samantha, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know we, uh, we talked off mic. I had a couple of big uh, personal events in my life happen over the last few days. And uh, I will talk about that in due time. So there you go. Um, all right. So um, let's just dive right in. So I I just joked a little bit uh, about this, but it is true that I, you know, it seems like the Caps haven't been playing super well in the last week and a half or so. I will admit I haven't been watching because I've been a little <laughs> preoccupied, but uh, I guess this was a big move. The uh, And the, the trade we're, of course, talking about is uh, Jakob Vrana, uh, Richard Ponick, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick for Anthony Mantha. Uh, and uh, also there was a fifth round pick for Michael Rockwell, which we can talk about a little bit later. But I think before we go into the specifics of the trade, do you, do you think there was anything, um, you know, in the Caps play of late that might have suggested they needed a move like this? I know in, in his presser today, Brian, GM Brian McClellan said that this wasn't necessarily a shake up the room move, but the Caps definitely haven't been perfect of late, no? Yeah, no, they definitely haven't been perfect. And I think we've kind of seen that, you know, with Jacob Verna getting, you know, a healthy scratch for a couple games and, you know, moving Sprong, I think was out for a game. They've gave par a shot for a second, basically, um, you know, they really weren't consistent. They had one seven straight. And then I believe they then lost four out of six, um, you know, before they went ahead and beat Buffalo beat Boston the other night. Um, so they definitely weren't smooth sailing, I would say um, in this last little stretch here. Uh, but, you know, Brian McClellan did say that they had had conversations with Detroit um, about Mantha for a couple weeks now. Um, it was brought up and it just kind of came to fruition today. So it seemed like McClellan was pretty confident and already shopping a little bit ahead uh, of the yeah. deadline. So there must have been some, you know, kind of triggers there to at least make this move. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. So I think I want to start out with uh, Vrana because I think he's, you know, obviously we'll talk about Mantha a little bit later. But I mean, for Vrana for me is a really kind of interesting player. And I think he's really... I had a very tumultuous career as a Washington Capitol. I, you know, I, I guess kind of like, let me ask you it this way. What do you think about Vrana's career arc as a Capitol? And like, kind of why do we think maybe this breakdown happened towards the end? Yeah, this, this is super interesting to me because I think if, even if we just kind of take it back to when Vrana was a healthy scratch, 
um, for those two games and Laviolette's reasoning for the healthy scratch, it was all about compete level. It was all about energy. It was his play, not only offensively, which I think everyone who follows the cops knows, you know, his speed, his snipe, um, how well he is offensively, how well he can kind of provide that spark. But, you know, I think people sometimes forget or choose to not remember um, his 200 foot game. And that seems to be what Laviolette was trying to focus on this group as a whole. He needs everyone to kind of, you know, compete defensively and show extra effort. And he just felt like Verona wasn't doing that. And Laviolette mentioned multiple times that this was a, you know, a reoccurring conversation throughout the year with Verona. And it just seemed to never really come to fruition. So for me, that was the most interesting part of just kind of hearing that backstory first of what Laviolette and the coaching staff was trying to get out of Verona. And then what maybe the result was, which was, really nothing, not a lot of progress, I would say, in the back half of the season. Um, so for the organization now to also then admit, you know, um, they kind of saw the frustration with Verona. You know, McClellan said he didn't know if Verona was frustrated, but just reading body language, reading, you know, how he was playing and how he fit in, it just seemed like Verona wasn't happy in his role with the organization um, at this point. And the team wanted to go ahead and move on from him. So, I think all of those combined to say is that, you know, I think his career arc just kind of came to a halt with the Capitals just because of all the different circumstances, you know, the different coaches after the cup. Um, he produced zero points in the last two postseasons for the Caps. Obviously, they have really high hopes in him, but um, I would think it's a pretty disappointing kind of ending for Verona, honestly, here in Washington. Yeah, no, it's hard to hard to disagree about that. So I guess let's uh, let's kind of bring it to the to the, the the piece that the Capitals are acquiring here. And Anthony Mantha, uh, he's big and skilled and talented, and uh, I think we're still waiting to kind of figure out exactly where he goes in the lineup. But what do you kind of see that uh, Anthony Mantha is going to bring to the Capitals? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, he's what six five two thirty four. Yes, um, that's, a, that's another another huge play for the Cavs. Um, you know, I think Brian McClellan said that he could pretty much see him anywhere in the top three lines. He thinks he's going to play probably best with the playmaking center. So it, immediately you think of a Kuznetsov or a Nicholas Backstrom. He can play the left or the right, which is great for the Capitals. Um, I know we'll talk about Raffle later, but he can also Raffle can also play center. So that adds kind of another versatility depth piece for the Caps. But yeah, I think he's going to be really good. He's supposed to be strong on pucks. I think the only thing out of Detroit was maybe his energy level sometimes um, was a little up and down. I know he had a little bit of troubles there, but Detroit had signed him to that massive contract uh, last year that the Caps are now picking up. So clearly they had the potential there. They kind of showed that. And a lot of people think Mantha's in his prime right now. Um, so I think it will be really interesting to see what he can do with, you know, one of these kind of big time centers in Kuznetsov or Backstrom. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's interesting with Anthony Mantha too, because I, you know, it's going to be, I, I do you see him maybe as like a top six player. I know that in, in the presser, McCollin mentioned maybe the third line is, as at least mm -hmm. an option for it. So I think what's interesting is kind of the, uh, the downstream effects of this too. I like, it might not just be, at least from kind of what I'm thinking, as simple as just, oh, we're just going to swap Mantha for Verona. For Verona. Yeah, I think it is interesting because right now you look at what it's Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Wilson, um, and then you have Sprong on the second line. So I don't know, maybe Mantha just 
go straight up to the second line. You put Sprong down to the third line and then see how it goes. Um, but it's pretty hard. I think Sherry's also on the second line. So I think there are going to be some trickle down effects, but it seems like McClellan's pretty happy with the ability for him to move around. And I'm sure LaViolette's uh, figuring that out right now as we speak, um, especially if he can play tomorrow uh, against the Flyers. So, yeah, I think it's going to maybe take a couple games, honestly, to figure out exactly where he fits best. But I think anywhere that you can kind of add that versatility, add that offensive scoring ability is really going to help this team out. Yeah. And then I, I guess kind of the other piece of this to talk about, uh, may have to aside is, uh, the two draft picks and they're, they're high picks. Although, uh, you know, I, I know that McClellan was asked kind of about the draft this year and whether he sees, you know, the, the, the kind of limited scouting that's going to happen this, uh, that's going to have happened for these prospect pools as impacting. And he seemed to say that it might, but, I don't know, kind of what do, what do we what do we think about the the picks the Caps might be giving up? Uh, you know, particularly given that they're they're two pretty high round picks. Yeah, I think you know at least one of the picks was the price for Richard Ponick's salary. Yes, <laughs> um, you know one of those picks was definitely a hey, like we cannot take Richard Ponick's cap hit anymore. Uh, we're dumping it on you, Brian McClellan. You know, basically admitted this in the presser um, that this was yeah. kind of part of the deal <laughs> here. Um, so knowing that, you know, I. I think it makes sense. I think that's what they have to give up um, to make this deal happen. I think Brian McClellan was, I mean, everyone could pretty much tell after Ponick went on waivers, really wasn't producing that the 2.75 just really wasn't going to cut it uh, here in Washington. And, you know, he was another player who was frustrated. It wasn't just Verona, you know, about his ice time, about what he was doing, the opportunities that he was being given. And with Detroit, seemingly he's going to get a lot more of those. So you know, yes, they are very high. I know some Cowboys fans are probably really upset about that, but I think <laughs> for, for the price of getting rid of a salary cap um, hit like Ponix, I think this is what needed to happen. Yeah, I mean, what are, I, I I know we've talked about this with Rana, but I mean, what do we what do we kind of see Ponix's career arc at, at DC having been? I mean, it's hard to hard to really characterize this as anything but a, a, a disappointment. <laughs> although yeah. defensively, his numbers are are, are pretty solid. So I, you know, I I, I kind of I, I struggle with how to really contextualize his contract, given that obviously it's not what the Caps were looking for. But he's he's definitely kind of had a mixed tenure as a Capital now. Yeah, definitely a mixed tenure. I think you know you hit it right there just overall disappointment um you know there was a really really big deal that happened quite early i believe once they acquired him and so it's kind of a blind faith i want kind of a blind faith trust right um from mcclellan at at that point and i just think brian mcclellan said it today he just never really fit into their system never really fit into what their plans were um just never really seemed to get there and you know that's okay if a player doesn't work out uh, but not when they have that big of a cap hit um, in on a team that has a very small kind of cap window every single year. Yeah. Well, I think you, it isn't, wasn't it, you the person that tweeted uh, literally the caps uh, salary yeah. cap space right now is zero. Yes. It literally is zero. Um, yes. And there's, it's no coincidence that the flyers retained exactly 25% um, of ruffle salary, yes. which basically <laughs> made this all happen and the caps have zero. So Ryan McClellan, again, playing very, very close uh, to that cap space. You know, he was asked about it in his presser. What happens if there's injuries, other things? Are you guys okay with it? And, you know, at this point, he just said, look, we're trying to make the team better. This is what we had to do. And we'll just go ahead and continue forward. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then, I mean, uh, before we get to the raffle deal, uh, I know another player that came up kind of out of surprise for me, but I, I think it makes sense. Uh, I mean, Connor McMichael has looked very good in Hershey, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would seem unlikely that he's going to make the caps this year, but, I mean, maybe in potential of an injury, you could see kind of an emergency fill-in. I, 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 don't, I don't know kind of what we – it would seem that you know, McMichael's probably just going to stay in Hershey if he can, although who knows what's going to go on with the OHL, but – He's, right. he's definitely kind of an interesting player to kind of factor in here. Yeah, I think he's definitely interesting. I think, you know, initially what my gut's telling me right now is he's probably going to stay in Hershey just because of, you know, you're adding a raffle. You, you know, I guess have some wiggle room now with the Daniel Sprong. Um, I'm not really sure where he then fits in. So I think he does stay in Hershey. I think he needs more time there um, in the eyes of the organization, at least they feel like he's getting really good experience, you know, going up against kind of those older guys and playing, you know, against the pros. So I'm not sure if he is hundred percent ready to come up quite yet. I think the caps maybe would have been a little bit more enthusiastic with them um, at this point, if that's the case, especially headed into playoffs, but again, no cap at the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. So let's talk about Michael Raffle. Uh, this is, you know, we're later on in this podcast, which is uh, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, uh, you know, the, uh, I think fair, safe to say that this might've been a little bit lower profile of a, of a pick, but you know, it seems like Raffle does kind of provide some, you know, some versatility to the lineup, I guess. So kind of, what do you, what do you see that Raffle might bring and kind of what, you know, obviously the price they paid wasn't too high for him. Yeah, you know, I think the price that they paid was a pretty good deal when you look at it. Um, obviously, a fifth rounder, I think it makes sense just to add some versatility, to add some depth. You know, he can play the center position, like I said earlier. So it kind of gives them a little bit more wiggle room. I think their center depth was exposed, you know, when Lars Eller went down for injury. You have a TJ Oshi trying to fill in at center. Obviously, TJ did as best as he could, um, but he's yeah. a natural winger. You know, TJ Oshi is not a center. center. Yeah. Clearly not a center, clearly is better at wing. Um, and I did, they just could not afford to do that uh, when the postseason rolled around if there was an injury like that to happen again. So I think it was a smart move. It was very small. Um, I think people would have been maybe a little eyebrow raising if that was the only move Brian McClellan made today. <laughs> um, but I think it definitely was kind of one of those solid depth, move, depth moves that you have to just kind of make. And we'll see exactly where he fits in and how it works. But uh, they just needed some insurance there. Yeah. And then the other kind of thing that maybe is worth talking about that didn't happen was uh, it seemed like a lot of people were citing the sometimes inconsistent play of the Capitals goaltending and saying maybe the Caps would take a flyer on another veteran goalie. Uh, That did not happen. So I'm kind of curious what your read on that is. Yeah, you know, I thought the Capitals had a very strong confidence level in their two goalies. I think Brian McClellan made it clear. I believe he talked to us in March about how, you know, they, they pretty much seen all that they could see from Banachek at that point when Samsonov was out, you know, they felt pretty confident in him, but it was Samsonov that they wanted to keep an eye on and, you know, see if he could kind of get up to speed. And so I think when they decided to not go after a goalie at the deadline, they just kind of realized that they were comfortable with both goalies and they felt like they had good depth in Anderson and Copley. Um, but they definitely did look, <laughs> they definitely did look at the goalie market. You had to, um, but they just, in their eyes were confident and they didn't really feel like it was the right fit to get another guy that would justify kind of jumping both Banachek and Samsonov. Obviously they haven't made a decision who's going to be starter game one in the playoffs yet. Um, that's coming, but at least they have that in their minds that one of them is going to be. 
Yeah, well, and you, you transitioned me next uh, perfectly into the next thing I want to talk about, uh, which is two more things real quick. Uh, like we talked about this, the Caps have basically been, I think, locked up in a playoff spot for, I would say, the better part of a month now. I think it's, it's yeah. safe to say, uh, particularly with the collapse of the Flyers. So, I, like, they have another like what, like, month or so of games left. Like, what do what do we what, what like what are we hoping to see from the Caps during this stretch? And uh, you know, do we do you think they particularly care about who they end up playing in the playoffs? Kind of given that it seems like the other three teams might be pretty evenly matched. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I feel like overall what you want to see from the Capitals in this last stretch is consistency, which sounds very, very cliche. Um, But I think it's that it's the energy level. It's the mentality. It's getting off to a good start every night, which for some reason the Capitals haven't been able to do in the last half of the season. It's honestly been a very grueling schedule. You have a lot of three games in four days. Um, a lot of really long road trips and, you know, with all the different protocols all together, I think maybe a lot of players are feeling it at this point in the season. I don't think that's really any secret. So I think what the Capitals need to do is kind of realize this is their last push to the playoffs and how do you balance rest um, and making sure all your injuries are kind of kept in check while also, you know, pushing and playing teams like the Islanders multiple times again and Boston, um, you know, and the Rangers. So like, it's how do you balance that? And I don't really have the right answer to how you balance that. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't know if they do either. It's kind of just yeah. the fly by, do it as you can kind of deal. huh? Right, exactly. So I think that's going to be, I think one of the biggest storylines headed, you know, for the rest of the season is how do you balance rest and gearing up for the playoffs while also trying to play your best hockey. Um, yeah. so and then the the kind of final thing I'm curious about hearing is uh, something that I've been noticing a little bit, kind of if you parse the caps, different answers to things and uh, you see kind of some of the league wide reporting is uh, kind of the exhaustion of having to do all these protocols and players, I think just having a tough time with the season <laughs> in general. So I, I like, I, I know McClellan kind of talked at least hinted about that a little bit today in terms of, just this has been a really grueling season with COVID and with the, this very condensed schedule. So I don't know, like, do you think that could be kind of impacting the play a little bit? Like just that kind of this idea that maybe the players aren't seeing their families consistently and just that could be kind of frustrating on a human level to deal with. Yeah, I think everyone, you know, is going to look back at the season that maybe they won't say it right now, but I bet at the end of the year, once you ask guys and coaches about how difficult the season was, I'm sure they're all going to say mentally, it was a huge challenge. You think about, not leaving your hotel room in all these different cities. You can't, you know, hang out with anybody when you're home. Um, It's pretty isolating for a lot of guys, especially those without families. I think we kind of have to realize there too, you know, guys who are younger, you know, 19 to what, 25, 26, or even a little bit older who don't have anyone here right now. I think that's pretty hard. I'm pretty sure Craig Anderson's family isn't here Um, from Ottawa. I think they stayed there. Chara's family, the same thing in Boston. so yeah, I don't think they'll admit it now, but definitely later. But I would definitely agree with McClellan and say that it's pretty hard. And that's probably what led to some inconsistencies for a lot of teams and a lot of players. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on that on that uh, slightly somber note, uh, we're going to we're going to call a wraps to this uh, latest episode of Japers Rink Radio special edition with Samantha Pell, uh, the second special edition that we've actually done. So that's <laughs> with Samantha. So that's exciting. Uh, so uh, Samantha, where can people find you and your various works and uh, various musings on things? Yeah, always all my stuff is on uh, my Twitter at Samantha J Pell or just go to WashingtonPost.com. All my stories are there too. But yeah, thanks so much. This was fun.
Yeah, yeah. And real quick, if you uh, like the show, uh, please rate, rate, subscribe, review. You can follow me at, uh, at uh, Greg Y underscore JR. You can find uh, the mysterious person who runs the Japers Rink Radio Twitter account at, at Japers Rink Radio. Uh, also, real quick, just want to uh, give a shout out to uh, our own JP for the intro and outro music. Uh, he's been great in terms of doing all of that. And uh, the, specifically, the track uh, that that uh, buttresses both the intro and outro is uh, What Shines off his 2020 album, Isolation Station, which can be found on any music platform that you seek. So uh, with that, uh, thank you so much, Samantha Powell, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, maybe having you on for a playoff preview soon. That would, that would be cool. <laughs> kind of keeping an old tradition there. Mm-hmm.